chapter 21, and the title of the message is Follow Me, because that's what Jesus says repeatedly to Peter in this. And if you remember a couple of weeks back, again, I was kind of re- referencing to it about following Peter through this whole thing where Peter's like, I'll even die for you, you know. <laughs> I forgot we talked about Prince. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, the, uh, yeah. And then he denies Jesus three times three times, doesn't he, you know, all that kind of thing. And I was like, gosh, guys, we do the same sort of thing. So Peter's in that headspace, and Jesus has died. Now he's seen him a couple times. But seeing Jesus in this post-resurrection space is a little different. You know, they don't always recognize him. You know, you can look at the other Gospels where people are like, yeah, that's Jesus, you know. So there's something going on to where he's not just like, oh, yeah, you know. And uh, you'll even see that a little bit in this. But the whole big point of today's message is with this follow me that Jesus is saying, he's saying this to Peter after all of that. The big thing is that Jesus doesn't give up on you. And he doesn't give up on us. And you need to hear that in this story because, again, I'm going to say, like, let's follow Peter through this um, because Peter kind of is doing a lot of things that a lot of us would probably do. We like to imagine in all the Bible stories that, like, I would have been on the good side all the time. But... These are real people that were really there, and you know. But you need to hear that Jesus is not forgiving, giving up on you. But put yourself in this space. Have you ever promised something to someone and failed? You know. Have you ever broken a promise? What did I say? A promise to. <laughs> dot dot dot. I don't, it looks like it's missing something. Have you ever broken a promise to someone, or have you ever broken a promise to God? You know. I mean, have you promised God something before and been like, "If you'll do this, I'll never do this again." And then you do it again. Like, how does this make you feel? You know, and uh, and that's where I want your head to be. That's where I want my head to be. And that's where I think we need to be looking as you see this event happen and you see G- Peter's response. Otherwise, you're like, why is he being this way? He's being this way because he feels really bad about the situation he's got himself in. You know, and you can you can look at some of the other gospels, some of the interactions that Jesus and Peter have. Peter's always the guy like stick, sticking out his neck. You know, he. He's like, I'll, I'll walk on the water with you, you know, and then he messes that up. But he still did it like the rest of, you know. And then, like, when they have the transfiguration, again, this is stuff that's not in John, but it's in the other gospel, you know. He's like, Jesus, this is awesome. Like, you know, we could build, like, tabernacles here. And, like, you know, and, Jesus, and then God's like, no, you know. He's like, oh, again, you know. And then, they're, you know, who do you say that I am? He's like, you're the Messiah. And then he's like, well, yeah, the Messiah has to go be crucified. He's like, no, don't talk like that. You know, and he's like, get behind me, Satan. And you're like, oh, man, you know. And uh, so Peter has a, a knack of doing this when you look at the whole story of the Gospels. But then here we are. Peter has just, in this story, promised Jesus that he would even die for him and then literally denied, like, denied him three times in one day. That's a pretty low point. And so this starts, um, verse 21, after, or ver- chapter 21, verse 1. After, afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And in Matthew, you see that Jesus tells them to go there. So that's why, if you're like, why are they back up there? Because Jerusalem's down here in Galilee. They went back because Jesus said to. Um, and it happened this way. This is how Jesus appeared to them. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel, from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Again, Peter, fisherman, right? You know, wasn't talked about as much in John, but we know that. So they went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. So they fished all night and caught nothing. 
again, low point. So, like, you know, I'm not very good at following Jesus, apparently. And the thing I used to be really good at, also not good at right now. <laughs> so, you know, he, I'm speaking for him. That's not in there. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying low point, right? Low point. <laughs> they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Remember, I said there's something a little different about this. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Now, that's a little bit. You see what I'm like? He could, he could have just said, you know, I don't know. There, there's a little bit of an edge there to me, and I think Jesus is being funny. Could have been lost in translation, but, you know. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because the large number of fish. So, like, that command is ridiculous. You know, like, I don't know if you know much about boating, but the water underneath, there's not a lot, you know. I mean, even as you throw the net in, it might, like, drift over that way. So it's like, you know, that doesn't matter at all, you know. People go really deep on this stuff, and it's like, well, actually, the type of nets they would use during the day, and the, and the, like, I don't know. I don't really, I don't read books like that, so that's fine, you know. Point is, it's ridiculous, whether because the nets are ridiculous or because it's like, you know, here and there are like, you know, you know, and you're like, who are you, random guy? You're like, we're professional fishermen over here. But you might remember, again, this is, we're getting outside of John a lot here, but in Luke 5, uh, when Jesus borrows Peter's boat and preaches for a while, you know, because the crowd gets so big, and then he's like, hey, let's go out, and we'll get some fish, and Peter's like, look, dude, like, I got the wrong nets, and, you know, okay, you know, I'll be nice, (laughs) and then they go out, and the same sort of thing happens, right? So, I think that what happened when they did this is they're like, well, you know, whatever, let's give it a shot, why not? But the moment the fish get in there, everything changes, and the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord, (laughs) And again, it's like, we've seen this before, and this kind of stuff doesn't happen very often. You see what I mean? And again, this isn't something they could do. You know, if we believe this story as I do, that this is the kind of thing we're talking, we want to see God do in our midst. Not like, oh, we tried harder this time, so now all the fish are in it, you know. It's, like, it's not like they weren't doing the right thing. They were fishing all night, you know. This is all they could do, you know. But then when God shows up, he's like, why don't you do this silly thing? And you're like, okay, and then it works. I'm just going to tell you from some experience, and I know that other people could raise their hands. Very often, that's how God enters your life. Because he was like, you could respond back, that doesn't matter at all, guy. (laughs) You know, or we've been doing it for a long time. Or just shut up. You know, that's how God tends to show up. You know, why don't you try this same thing you were doing? You know, so just listen for that, you know. But when he hears this, it's the Lord. So John recognizes. You could go deep on this disciple who Jesus loves stuff. People do on that too. I don't, you know, whatever. Meaning people think it's a different person. You can look that up if you want. As as soon as this, I want to focus on this. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped in the water. So remember, we're in the headspace of... uh, I've let him down. I failed. I promised him I would, you know, and, it's like, and I'm sure Peter's like, gosh, if I just had one more chance to, like, talk to him, I would apologize or I would do something, you know. I mean, 
I got to make it right somehow. And then all of a sudden, he's right in that moment, but Jesus is over there, and he's like, peace, and he's, you know, he's, I'm going to take care of this. The other guys struggled to get the, uh, the other disciples followed in the boat when towing the net full of fish. They were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there and there were fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat, dragged it in the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. So that's like super a lot. But even with so many, the net was not torn. I think that's some insider stuff there. Like 153 is a lot for that kind of net, and it wasn't busted. So like, you know, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Again, something different about this. And also reminding this mindset of like, they started to pick up on this thing. Jesus doesn't need to be protected. He just needs to be proclaimed. They're starting to get it. They're starting to go, I'm not messing with that guy. You know, I know who, you know, but Peter, I know is like, I need to talk to you. You know, (laughs) Jesus came, took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. So they're all eating together. Now, this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And then we start to go into this thing where I think as a person who has kind of an OCD mentality, I maybe look at this a little differently. So I'm going to, I'm going to enter into this. There's a lot of, there's a lot to say about this chapter. Many of you have heard many messages on it, but we're just going to go through it. And I'm going to tell you how somebody with OCD would encounter this. When Jesus had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, I imagine that like, come talk to me, you know, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he asked him a third time. Do you, do, he asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. He's meaning like a cross. And someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would be glor- which, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. And I think, um, again, there's so much to say about all these things. But as a person like me, we got recorded in this thing. Peter denied Jesus three times. And when you have kind of obsessive tendencies, um, and I think maybe a lot of us have a little of this, but some of us have more. And you're like, did I lock that thing? Now I have to go back and, like, check again, you know? And... uh these things plague your mind, if your mind's like mine. Um, and I think what Jesus is doing here, or how this speaks to me, I'll say that, is he's caring for Peter, because I think he knows Peter is, he's the guy who's going to step out and do stuff. He's the only other guy that walked on water. You know, the other disciples would be like, yeah, remember when you fell? And he'd be like, remember when you were in the boat? Like, 
Yeah, it's like once Jesus is, I'm the only other person who walked on water, you know. You didn't do jack, you know. And so um, I think he knows that about Peter. But I think he also knows that uh, that that door swings both ways, you know. Sometimes the people that are the most bold this way are also the most bold that way. You know, you see that later, and like we did last summer, we went, to, you know, when God calls Saul to be Paul, you know, he's killing guys, killing Christian people, thinking, he, thinking he's doing the work of the Lord, like it says that. And God's like, that's the guy I need to take my gospel, you know. That would, he would not be on our list. You see what I'm saying? But like I said, the main point, God doesn't give up on you. And he doesn't give up on anyone else either. And if you're like Peter and you're bold in all these directions, Jesus knows that. I don't think when Peter says to him, I'll even die for you, Jesus knows he will. He says it right here. Jesus knew that when Peter said to him, I'll even die for you. He's like, you will, actually. You know, one of the Gospels says that. But the, uh, Jesus knew this. But Peter says it so boldly, but Jesus also knows because his friendship is intimate like we were singing about. He's like, you will, but the way you're talking right now, he's like, you're going to deny me in like a couple hours because that's how you are, you know. I believe in that part. of I made you this way because I need you this way, and I want you this way, and I love you this way, but I also know you just say stuff sometimes. And I also think that Peter knows he did this three times, and if you're... If you're like the way I am about things, if he apologizes to Jesus once, he's still going to probably feel bad about the other times. I think Jesus does this, and there's cultural things about the three times and stuff. There's a reason it bothers Peter at first. But I think in the long run, Jesus is saying, it's gone. We don't need to talk about that anymore. And he does it in this way to make the point, to make the point for all the rest of us that are reading the book all these years later, and to make the point to Peter himself. He's like, I know, deep down inside, I know what you're saying is true. And I know what you're wanting to do, and I know how you want to be. I also know all this other stuff you do. And it doesn't bother me the same way it bothers everybody else. It doesn't even bother me the same way it bothers you. I don't see things the same way. And we're going to talk next week about David, about how God looks at the heart, not at the outer appearance. Jesus is seeing through all of this stuff with Peter. And for Peter's sake, I think he's saying, I'm going to let you do this three times because it's gone now. This is over. Jesus already said it's finished. And then he invites him at the end, follow me. Again, follow me. Remember at the very beginning of the the Gospel of John, this whole thing kept going about, like, come and see. Come and follow me. And uh, (laughs) he's not hiding anything. And then when they go, what are you trying to say? You know, aren't you crazy? Like, remember that one when they were like, isn't it right to say you're demon-possessed? And Jesus is like, no. <laughs> you know, that's, that was in there. And, and, and things like that where Jesus is like, I'm not hiding anything. I am saying very clearly I am the Messiah sent by God. Uh, I'm, I am, I, or I'm God in human flesh sent as the Messiah to Israel who is the Savior of the world. That is who I am. And they go, we're going to kill you for saying that. And he's like, why? And they're like, you can't claim to be God. He's like, but what if I am? What am I supposed to say? And he's been like this the whole time. Come, come and see. Come, follow me. Come, let's do it. Come, come. And they're like, well, we're going to kill you because we, we can't control you anymore. And he's like, okay, but whatever. He's like, come, follow me. And that's what he said to Peter. He invites him. He even invites him 
this is some deep stuff. And when you talk about an intimate friendship, okay, I want you to hear this in this, this chapter or this, these verses here. Isn't that he's just saying, you know, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you did what you wanted, but one day they're going to kill you just like they killed me? When Jesus says this to Peter, he's not saying it to him like a, like a warning, like you need to be, you know, he's not saying it like that. He's saying, you're a close enough friend to me that I can trust you with something like this. I know who you are, and I know that you will live this way, and then it will cost you everything to follow me. I know that. And you're like, you are becoming like me. It's a calling. It's a friendship. He's, he's saying, I can, you know, it's like, it's even sort of the same, and I'm not, you have to hear what I mean by this. We, we act nice when we're around most people, but then when we're around our family, we actually act like ourselves. You see what I'm saying? This is a ourselves conversation. He's like, other people we have to, you know, Jesus says that a couple times. I say stuff like this around everybody else because they don't get it, but you guys get it, so I'm going to talk plain to you, you know. This is a plain conversation between Jesus and Peter. He's like, you're my friend, and you're, gonna, you're doing what, you know, I'm doing. And it's going to end the same sort of way. And it's not something, and he says, and I want to make sure this is very clear to you. They are going to lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus is saying, you're close enough friend to me that I can trust you with that. Because it isn't fun. It's like what Mike was talking about. Following Jesus when encountering the world around us isn't fun. Most of the time it's not. Some of us have forgotten that. We think it's supposed to be. It's fun because we're with him. It's not fun because of how the world is treating us. It's great because his love is extravagant. It's not great because people treat us well. It's great because we have God and the power of God in our lives. It's not great because everybody thinks well of us. Those two things are not the same thing. And I'm not saying they're always diametrically opposed or, or mutually exclusive, that if you're following God, everybody will hate you. It doesn't, it doesn't always work out that way. But I am saying they're not the same thing. And you can't mix them or conflate them to act like they're the same thing and then be upset when this is happening. It's truly an honor to be invited into that sort of friendship with Jesus. But following me is what he says. Salvation is following Jesus. Discipleship is following Jesus. Christianity is following Jesus. It's not just like a one-time thing. Yeah, I follow him. Well, are you following him now? Like, if I said, follow me, and I started walking around, and you're like, yeah, I followed him. And then you, like, sat down, and I'm like, well, follow me. And you're like, well, I did. You're like, well, you did, but you're not, you know. This is a continual thing. It's a continual thing. And you can not do it. But he's inviting you to do it, to follow me. <laughs> and total awesome Peter fashion. Remember, Jesus isn't giving up on the guy, right? This is a deep moment we just went through. Like Jesus is like, I'm restoring you. Some of your Bibles will say something like that as a heading, like Jesus restores Peter or something like that. Big deal stuff. And me, you know, he's saying, you're my super friend. All that stuff I was just talking about. And then Peter does what we all do. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one, blah, 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 whatever. Um, when Peter saw him, he said, Lord, what about him? 
Immediately, he's like, well, what about that guy? Immediately, he's compared himself to somebody else. Well, what about him over there? And Jesus is like, oh, my gosh, dude. You know, and Jesus doesn't take back anything. He's like, never mind. I'll have him follow me. He doesn't say anything. I think he laughs because I think Jesus really knows. But it's, this should be super encouraging to us because we all do this all the time. You have God do something ma- amazing in your life. And you're like, thank you, God. And you're like, but what about him? You know, what about that guy? What about this person over here? And who, who, the what about thing is, um, <laughs> it's awesome. And then Jesus says, if I wanted him to remain alive until I returned, like, what does that even matter to you? You know, you must follow me. And I want you to hear him saying that to you every time. You're like, well, what about, and he's like, it doesn't even matter. You must follow me. That's the same thing for everyone. And then it goes into this thing because of this rumor spread among the disciples that this disciple wouldn't die. And, da, da, da. and so it's like, and he's like, he doesn't say that, you know, this is some, I'll just read it. So I'm not par- because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I wanted him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. So he's saying, I'm not still alive, just in case people were sick. So I think that was, that was clearing up kind of a myth of the day, you know. People get weird about stuff. And here we are at the very, very end. Kayla, you can come on up. This is the memory verse the kids are going to memorize. And if you remember in the very first chapter of John, um, <laughs> I'll read it first. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And so, here we are at the end. And if you remember, in John chapter 1, I uh, invoked the movie The NeverEnding Story because it was setting up kind of the other end of this that And there's a part in the movie where the kid takes a bite of his sandwich and he's like, no, not too much. We still have a long way to go. (laughs) And it dawned on me that this is a perfect way to end this book because this phrase, go ahead and put my slide up. I want you to to be here now, all right? We've been upset about disappointing Jesus and we've been, you know, reinstated by God. We've also been like, what about this guy? But then we leave with we leave this whole um, six month long journey through John with this statement: "Follow me," and then this. Go back to my never ending story. Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Whether or not that's hyperbolic doesn't matter. The main thing is Jesus did many other things. Jesus is doing many other things. He's inviting us to follow him. And like at the end of the movie, The Never Ending Story, the kid flies off on the dragon thing that happens to look like my dog. Um, It has something that says basically the same thing. It's like the story keeps going on because it's a never-ending story. See what I did there? And we're invited into it, as silly as that is. It continues right now. So I'm silly and absolutely serious. I want to let you know, our church here, uh, if you're visiting, this is how things are. 
We take God very seriously, but we don't take ourselves very seriously. And I don't want to. But Jesus is inviting us. He's inviting you into his story. He's inviting you to follow him. And following him doesn't mean uh, a one-time decision. It isn't something you did. It's something you're either doing or you're not. And you don't always get to, you know the ultimate end. Like, read the end of Revelation. We get it. There will be no more tears. Wipe every tear away from their eye. You know, there's no more crying, no more pain, no more sorrow. That's the end, the ultimate end. But the journey there, you don't always know. And there's an apocryphal story. I think I'm going to get it right. Apocryphal means it's like Bible adjacent. Um, But there was a lot of those. Some of them were wrong, like this early story that John was clearing up in this book. It was like, look, guys, I'm not going to live forever. You know, stop saying that, you know. But there's a story that I, be, I, I want to... I, Jeff's probably watching, and he's going to be like, that's not exactly how it went, but I apologize. The uh, It is how it went, I know. It's when Peter was um, set to be crucified like Jesus, and he knew it. And he either had a vision or something of him walking away, walking away from that situation, like leaving, like maybe I can get away. And you see, sometimes God does that. You know, there's times when Paul was in prison up to his the end of his, and there's times where God just like let him out. Or when Peter and them were in prison, he's like, just let him out. You know, so there's times when that happens, and then there's times when it doesn't. And that's the following him part, because sometimes he lets you out, sometimes he doesn't. You don't just always get let out, you know, and I think Peter had a, the story goes Peter had a vision you know like maybe he's walking away but then he sees Jesus coming and he passes him and he's like well where are you going and he's like well I'm going because you wouldn't do it you wouldn't be crucified I'm gonna go do it again you know and Peter comes back and he, and he he has the courage to go through it because God isn't saying when he says follow me this is the other interesting thing about it it's not a one time thing it's not just a decision it's not something you did it's something you're doing or you're not but here's the the funny thing about it just like the israelites in the in the wilderness and just you know just like the disciples then and us now if you're following him that's where he is and sometimes he goes into these really dark places for good things we're like, well, I don't want to go there. It's like, you cannot, but then you're not following him. Following him is following him wherever he goes. But you're with him. That's the whole thing. And it's this never-ending story of we're so short-sighted. I'm going to finish so we can sing. Let me pray. Father, give us courage to follow you wherever you lead. Lord, we know you're fine with our boastful claims, just like you're probably fine with Peter's. We know like a loving father, you probably only take half the stuff we say seriously, just like we do with our little kids. But you always love us. Sometimes you even know what we're trying to say when we don't even say it right. But, Lord, I pray that we would be followers of you with a childlike dependence of a small child, Lord, that we would truly follow you no matter where you go because without you we have nothing, and with you we have everything. 
and with you we can go through the darkest times, the worst times, and that you're inviting us to be a part of your never-ending story. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand that overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. And there is no other way and there is no other thing that that's your name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Lord, and I pray that those many other things that you are doing in our midst, that we would all see them. And I pray that you would, I, I pray that the hope that you never give up on us would fill our hearts and our souls and fill our hearts for those around us that we have given up on. And let's pray as we lift this song to you and worship, Lord, that you would continue to fill this place with your presence. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to come up and pray, or if you want to pray for someone maybe that you've given up on, I invite you to come forward, and the altar is open. That's the area here. And um, we'll sing this song, and then we'll close.